Good morning, and welcome to Simply Space. It's Friday, January 26th. On today's show, a world-first mission aims to detect ripples in the fabric of space-time, while scientists study neurodegenerative diseases in space. Plus, the Science Center prepares the Space Shuttle Endeavor for a liftoff display. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Space. We start off with an exciting update from the European Space Agency, which has given the green light to the Laser Interferometer Space Antenna, or LISA, mission. This will be the first scientific endeavor to detect and study cosmic ripples, also known as gravitational waves, from space. The launch is planned for 2035 and is expected to be the most complex and costly project the agency has ever undertaken. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent from Simply Space. That's right, David. The LISA mission will not just be one spacecraft, but a constellation of three that will travel in a triangular formation. Each spacecraft will be 2.5 million kilometers apart, which is more than six times the distance between the Earth and the Moon. The spacecraft will beam lasers between each other, and movements in this laser triangle will allow scientists to detect and study gravitational waves. Can you explain more about these gravitational waves and why they are significant? Certainly. Gravitational waves are ripples in space-time that alter the distances between objects. They are created during some of the most dramatic events in the universe, such as when black holes collide. By measuring them, LISA will probe the entire history of the universe, going back long before stars and galaxies formed. It could even offer a direct glimpse into the very first seconds after the Big Bang. That sounds fascinating. How will LISA detect these gravitational waves? LISA will detect gravitational waves by measuring subtle changes in the distances between free-floating golden cubes nestled within its three spacecraft. As LISA lead project scientist Nora Lutzkendorf explained, Using laser beams over distances of several kilometers, ground-based instrumentation can detect gravitational waves coming from events involving star-sized objects, such as supernova explosions or the merging of hyperdense stars and stellar mass black holes. Gravitational waves were first detected in 2015 by scientists at the LIGO Observatory in the U.S. How does LISA plan to build on these initial findings? Being positioned in outer space, LISA is expected to radically deepen these initial findings. Thanks to the huge distance traveled by the laser signals on LISA and the superb stability of its instrumentation, it will probe gravitational waves of lower frequencies than is possible on Earth, uncovering events of a different scale all the way back to the dawn of time, according to Lutzkendorf. What other observations will LISA be making? LISA will also look closer to home in our own galaxy, detecting merging pairs of compact objects like white dwarfs or neutron stars. As LISA project scientist Oliver Jenrick put it, capturing the ripples of space-time with LISA will be a real game-changer, akin to when sound was added to motion pictures. When can we expect the construction of the LISA mission to begin? Work to build the instruments and the three spacecraft for the LISA mission will begin in January 2025, once a European industrial contractor has been chosen, according to the European Space Agency. The spacecraft trifecta will join ESA's science fleet of cosmic observers like Euclid, Gaia, and James Webb 
in uncovering the origins of the universe and the laws that govern it. Thank you for the insight, Celeste. Speaking of space, let's shift our focus to Earth. The Louisville-based National Stem Cell Foundation has once again sent their research to the International Space Station. This time, they have partnered with Axiom Space Mission to study neurodegenerative diseases. For the past five years, the Foundation has been conducting a study of neurodegeneration in space. Here to delve deeper into this topic is our correspondent, James. Can you tell us more about this study? Certainly, David. The study involves organoids, or mini-brains, derived from the cells of people with Parkinson's disease and primary progressive multiple sclerosis. According to Dr. Paula Grisanti, the CEO of the National Stem Cell Foundation, observing these cells in space allows researchers to see in 3D how these diseases behave in the human body. And what is the significance of conducting this research in space? Grisanti believes that studying these diseases in the unique environment of space could lead to new insights and potentially open the door to new therapeutics. With 50 million people worldwide suffering from neurodegenerative diseases, any new intervention could have a significant impact. Can you tell us more about the crew that carried out this mission? The crew for the January 18th launch included astronauts from Spain, Italy, Turkey, and Sweden. They underwent 17 weeks of training before embarking on their two-week mission. The goal of this mission was to gather more data to accelerate research for new drug development and discovery. What are the future plans for this research? Grisanti says that the aim is to continue advancing research in a way that's currently impossible on Earth and to inspire the next generation of STEM scientists. The next flight carrying this research is scheduled to launch on SpaceX in early March. That's fascinating, and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on the progress of that research. Thanks, James. In other news, 13 years after its retirement, the Space Shuttle Endeavour is preparing for liftoff again. This time it's not heading into space, but into an upright display at the California Science Center. The move is part of a larger project to create a unique launch-ready display of a former NASA Space Shuttle. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about this Endeavour, Abby? Certainly, David. The Endeavour Shuttle, which is 122 feet long, will be moved across Exposition Park to the under-construction Samuel Oshin Air and Space Center. This will be done with the help of a self-propelled modular transporter. The shuttle will be placed next to two solid rocket boosters and a 65,000-pound external fuel tank known as ET-94, which are already in place. The shuttle is scheduled to be lifted into place late Monday night or early Tuesday morning, weather permitting. That sounds like quite a complex operation. How will they manage to lift the shuttle into place? It will indeed be a complex operation, David. A 450-foot-tall crane will be used to lift the orbiter over the under-construction walls of the Samuel Oshin Center. It will then be lowered next to the boosters and fuel tank to complete the gopher-stack process of assembling the vertical display. The ET-94 fuel tank, which is the last remaining flight-qualified external tank in existence, was moved into place earlier this month. And what can visitors expect once the display is complete? The shuttle launch display will be the centerpiece of the 200,000-square-foot Samuel Oshin Air and Space Center. This will nearly double the Science Center's educational exhibition space. 
the building will include three multi-level galleries themed for air, space, and shuttle. It will also house an events and exhibit center for large-scale rotating exhibitions. This will be the only launch-ready display of a former NASA space shuttle in the world. That sounds like an impressive addition to the California Science Center. Do we know when the new center will open? An opening date for the $400 million center has not yet been determined, but the move of the Endeavour shuttle is a significant step towards its completion. That's certainly something to look forward to. Thanks for the update, Abby. Speaking of space exploration, let's delve into a detailed investigation of asteroid Ryugu samples that has provided further evidence that the organic molecules which gave rise to life on our planet were brought here by ancient comets. The samples were returned to Earth by Japan's Hayabusa 2 mission, which visited the asteroid in 2018. The mission spent around 18 months studying the asteroid and collecting surface material. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Bella. So Bella, what exactly did the researchers find in these samples? The researchers found 5 to 20 micrometer wide melt splashes created when cometary dust pelted the surface of Ryugu. Within these melt splashes, they discovered small carbonaceous materials similar to primitive organic matter. This organic matter might be the small seeds of life once delivered from space to Earth, according to Megumi Matsumoto, a team member and assistant professor at Tohoku University Graduate School of Science. Can you explain how this cometary dust ends up on the surface of asteroids like Ryugu? Comets exist in wide orbits around the sun, spending most of their time at the frigid outer edges of the solar system. When they sweep into the inner solar system, solar radiation heats their inner icy material, causing it to transform straight into a gas, a process called sublimation. As this gaseous material explodes from the comet, it carries with it some of the object's surface material. This creates the characteristic tails and auras, or comas, of comets. But it also leaves trails of cometary dust around the sun. This cometary material is far more likely to make it to the surface of atmosphere-less bodies like Ryugu, where it can be preserved. And how does this relate to the origins of life on Earth? The spongy carbonaceous materials found in the Ryugu melts differ chemically from organic matter usually found in cometary material because they lack oxygen and nitrogen. This could hint at how the material was formed in the first place. Matsumoto suggests that the carbonaceous materials formed from cometary organic matter via the evaporation of volatiles, such as nitrogen and oxygen, during the impact-induced heating. This suggests that cometary matter was transported to the near-Earth region from the outer solar system. What does this mean for our understanding of the early solar system? Studying these dusty remnants on the Hayabusa 2 samples could reveal clues about the material in the early solar system. The hope is that this will deliver more insight into the transportation of primordial organic material to the space around Earth over 4 billion years ago prior to the emergence of life. That's fascinating. What's next for the team studying these samples? Matsumoto and the team are continuing to examine Ryugu samples collected by Hayabusa 2 in the hope of discovering more melts that may hold within them evidence of cometary dust strikes. Their research is ongoing and is published in the journal Science Advances. That was Simply Space Reporter, Bella. Thanks for the insights. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. 
Thanks for listening to Simply Space. We'll see you back here tomorrow.